when I was, I'm going to say in my 20s, the melting pot became a place where people went to eat and stuff like that, and fondues came back in style. I got really confused by what was going on because everyone was putting cheese in their fondue and chocolate in their fondue. And I was like, well, I guess, yeah, you could use it for that. Sure. For the longest time, only associated fondues with putting cooking oil in them and heating up and eating beef chunks in a fondue to only find out in my 20s that that is not how anyone else uses fondues. <laughs> my parents, that's all they ever used their classic 70s fondue for was putting oil in that and heating up meat chunks. There's not a lot of people who heat up meat chunks in their fondue. And I understand why. It splatters a lot. You know, we just, it's America. So it's like, uh, you gotta have fireworks with everything. That's a food firework. I have been to the melting pot exactly once and... It was all right. That's that's a good time. A little bit pricey. The melting pot is where people go to feel fancy when they're not fancy people. You shut your mouth, Joe. Quit making me feel not special. I guess someone's got to take me down a notch. <laughs> you and your huge ego. Was the story going to go somewhere? No, it just was simple. It was a simple little story. Were you expecting like a life lesson out of it or something? If you're waiting for that, the story would be never ending. Uh... <laughs> oh, it hurts. Hey, I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. We're the Rewinders Podcast, rewinding movies to see if they hold up. And this time, we passed out and got... Picked up by some weird dog dragon hybrid and was brought to some cliff in some dark part of the world to drink strange brew with tiny people and get shot at with lasers by boob ladies by watching the never ending story. You tried so hard, Joe. You tried so hard to keep it together. I should have just quit while I was ahead on that one. And if you were wondering what the movie was about, <laughs> there's like a quarter <laughs> <Yeah>. of it. <laughs> How many of you gentlemen have some sort of child history with this movie? I destroyed this VHS as a child. I, I, I watched it way the f*** too much. I rented it several times from the little mom and pop video store when I was younger. Yeah, I uh, definitely watched this movie more than once in my household. We rented Neverending Story 2 once, and uh, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, never was able to watch it. Just be thankful you didn't watch 3. 2's not bad. 2's not bad. 3 is a whole other category. Huh. Okay. I don't know. I never made it to 3. I may have possibly finished 2, but I mentally have blocked it out. All I remember is shiny ships at the beginning. Yeah, it's got that like dock with the pier with all the crazy stuff coming in. The, the problem with three is does it's, Frodo jump off the boat? No, no. Uh, uh, Samwise does. Oh, finally he got an ending. He did. He did get an ending finally. No, the um, the big problem with three is it, it faces the same spot that some other films face. Is you have Neverending Story one, which was a condensed version of the Neverending Story book. It was only about half of the book. If you guys didn't know that, nope. I found that out. Whereas Neverending Story two. 
they tried to take what was remaining from the first book, or from the book, I mean, and, and tried to use that as a basis for the second movie. The third movie is in uncharted territories where they made up a brand new original story because there's no more source material. Ah. Kind of like Jurassic Park 3 or Jurassic World or anything past Jurassic Park The Lost World. Kind of like Game of Thrones when the books end. Yes. Oh, uh, the books haven't we ended saw the yet. quality drop. Books have not ended. He's still writing that, that next one. And there's supposedly like four more books that he's going to write. These series... Good series that, is never going to be done. He's never going to finish fickin', finish fucking writing the book that he's writing now. <laughs> God forbid, write another four fucking books. I'm I'm peaking. <laughs> I gotta stop. But sadly, it's fine. Sadly, in the microscopic eye of pop culture, it had its time and it's run its course. Because unfortunately, the showrunners just nosedive buried that damn plane right into the ground. So even if he does finish his books and they're phenomenal, <laughs> all anyone's gonna remember. Is, hey, remember how the show sucked for that last season? We've gone way off course, though. <laughs> this yeah. is the never-ending story. <laughs> and for me, I started watching Never-Ending Story when it hit cable. And I'm not sure if we had a VHS copy or not. I think we might have recorded it off of cable. But either way, um, yeah, it was one of those that I watched all the time. And I sort of attributed as being one of the first fantasy movies that I really latched onto. Around that time, uh, we had stuff, you know, like Krull, Conan, Lady Hawk. I had Lady Hawk may have come later. But, I mean, those movies, like, Krull was way too long and drawn out. Conan was just a dude in a desert. And it's just like, I yeah, they just didn't... No Beastmaster. They were no Beastmaster. Beastmaster is probably the only other fantasy film around that same time period that kind of stuck with me. I don't know. I think I watched NeverEnding Story a lot more than I did watch Beastmaster. The things that I always thought were interesting in hindsight when I review why and how I felt was that they had these high-value concepts in, in this story like the nothing which i consider now like such a great idea of a villain of just it's yeah it's emptiness it's and it's not even emptiness because it's nothing there's nothing it's a void and it's coming for you <laughs> it has no feelings no wants no desires you're just gonna disappear mm -hmm. that's pretty vicious it didn't freak me out as a kid because i guess there really wasn't anything to tie to it it was a nebulous concept yeah, And even the horse giving up in the swamp, I understood that the horse was dying. <laughs> but I always saw it as a part of the story being told. You know, Joe, and I... Are you a monster? <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> as it, When I look back on my, my child self and I, I think about this kind of stuff, it does make me ask those questions like, is there something wrong with me? <laughs> but no, no, no. As an adult, I have all these feelings and emotions. So I'm like far more emotionally connected to the stuff happening in this story now than I was as a kid. Funny enough, I think I was more invested in uh, Artax as a child. Oh, yeah, for sure. Than watching it as an adult. Pro possibly because, you know, movie burnout. Yeah, I watched the movie sure. quite I could a bit absolutely as a kid. be on that. Movie burnout is absolutely a thing. Yep. Yep. I, I had my had my feelings. My feelings went rampant many times about Artax, but just watching it this time, it's just like, oh man, this is where Artax dies. That's really and then about it. The realization that it was entirely Atreus' fault. 
Whoa! But what? But would it technically be Bastion's fault then? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Bastion's the one reading. If he wasn't reading the book, it wouldn't yeah, happen. It's, if he it's, didn't steal someone else's property, none of this wouldn't have happened. It's definitely the fault of of children doing things that they shouldn't be doing because Atreyu's like what twelve? Why is he off doing this? This this is a, this isn't Pokemon. He's their greatest the warrior. He's he's a good kid. He's a, a child. He's got a horse. <laughs> it's funny. He's got a well, horse. Well, good thing he never had to, like, sword fight against the mountain or something like that. That's yeah. probably for the best. <laughs> what? Yeah, he would not have lasted long. <laughs> we, no. we're, we're, we're making a, a Game of Thrones reference, Ken. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually watched the first season of that, and then I was like, okay, I've... He's I've in had that. my Game of Thrones. I feel it's the first mountain is in season one, and he's got a wild mustache that doesn't make it yeah. <laughs> to when they recast nope. him. I feel like it would have ended similar though, with like a Treyu being spiked or yeeted off the side of a building. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would have been just like head crushed like a melon. I'm pretty sure the mountain would yeah, have just yeah, like held yeah. him with one hand and just. Sure. <laughs> But, uh, child violence, yay. Yay, so <laughs> much child kind. death. Wait, what? <laughs> so along the lines of Beastmaster and uh, this movie and Artax, I was actually super curious uh, how well Artax took the whole thing during that scene. So I decided to do some digging. Turns out Artax, uh, they did like weeks of training to try to get him to uh, not freak out. They put him on the platform that would lower him into the swamp lowered him into water, trained him for weeks so he wouldn't freak out. And so they, they tried to ease him into his anxiety. Unfortunately, still a horse, still didn't work. Ended up pulling uh, Noah Hathaway, a.k.a. Atreyu, off the pla- off into the platform, sending Noah to the hospital for a few days, mm. unconscious. Nice. Um, but in, uh, another fun thing is they offered the horse to the kid after, he's, uh, after the movie was done filming. Unfortunately, uh, you know flying a horse from Denmark or wherever this movie was filmed to the United States was too expensive. So that's at least a better, a better excuse. I thought you were going to say like his mom said no or something dumb like that. <laughs> no, no, too expensive. <laughs> okay, good, good. I was expecting he was going to take it and that he lived in some apartment building and it was a <laughs> wacky situation. <laughs> Neighbors downstairs. Oh, what the hell is going on up there? It sounds like he's got a goddamn horse. All of a sudden it's a sitcom. <laughs> I would I would be on board for this. Oh, that's good. That's or it would be a ironic, uh, cruel twist of fate if uh, Noah Hathaway actually lived in a swamp area and uh, the horse wandered off one day. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that would be. Oh. Anyways, the horse was never really injured. Noah's injured several times in this movie. He was also trampled apparently while he was trying to learn how to ride the horse. Oh, <laughs> sounds like he was a good sport at least about it all. Yeah, seemed like it. I mean, he came back. Pretty quickly after being injured. Well, there's no child labor laws in Denmark, apparently. Apparently he didn't enjoy his time because he didn't come back in the second movie. He was was replaced by Kenny Morrison. Okay, so that was, what, six years after the original one that came out. True, so he was kind of too old. Possibly more, so, yeah. But it was just jarring. It was jarring to pop in The NeverEnding Story 2, and it's like, that's that's not a trade. How dare he age? (laughs) I don't think any of the originals came back. Uh, the shopkeeper did. Uh... The shopkeeper who owned the, the book, book again? I, I don't know, but he's he's in it. I know Bastion said he was going to bring the book back, but they have Bastion's character in the second movie. Yeah, 
And the third, technically, played by the kid from Free Willy. Mm. Yeah! Wait. A whale? Hold on. Is that... Yeah. Do you think that's why they brought him in? Because all the yas? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> like, this kid can yeah really well. That's what people really liked from the first movie. Let's bring him in. <laughs> all I know is it's typical quality uh, standards is the, the first two movies were made foreign and the third movie was an american co-joint effort and of course that's the shitty one so i'm not surprised <laughs> <laughs> well for anyone who has not seen the never-ending story here is a quick summation kid is getting harassed by bullies kid runs into a bookstore steals an old man's book when the old man specifically says not to then the kid skips on classes he goes in the attic and reads the book then he screams a lot at jump scares in a book and then he has to give Oh, uh, sorry. I'll I'll just stop doing that stupid thing because I ruined it already. Um, and uh, as he's reading it, he realizes he's actually part of the story, and then has to help end the story. I guess, even though it's a never-ending story. Would it be a never-ending story had he not yelled out "Moonchild"? Is that what he yelled out? That's what he yelled out. Yeah, I, never, I could never hear it. I could it. never hear it. No, nobody ever could. That's why the internet exists. For, well, for the first time in 32 years, I turned the subtitles on and rewound that scene just to see what the hell he shouts into the rain. And yes, it's it's Moonchild. He had a yeah. hippie mom that was married to that straight lace suit wearing chill <laughs> to the bone. I have no emotion. You, you cannot call him his New not, Yorker not a, he's not even a dad. I'm sorry, mom's dead, but we got to move on. I'm <laughs> I'm so confused not by that a father. guy. He, who? <laughs> Eggs and orange juice. Yeah. What was happening yes, in the so 80s? Yeah. What a hell of a mix. That shows just how straight laced and just how bland the man is. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's not bland, though. Or straight laced. That's unhinged. The man doesn't even care that his child's just gone missing for a full 24 hours. No one cares. If, if not no, longer. Nobody cares. Yeah, like nobody gives a crap. Why does the kid have access to that? <laughs> it says attic, attic? Yeah. but like, that's an attic for not. A school? Like I love that attic. I wish I had access to that attic. Yeah. That was like the attic of a Vic an old Victoria Victorian home. I'd like to really get in depth to talk about this school later, but wow, that school is weird. You cost a couple of gym mats in there and then suddenly it's a school's attic because all schools have <laughs> attics. <laughs> I imagine they have a hell of a theatrics department because there's a lot of stuff in there that would be super useful for stage <laughs> yeah. plays. Like all the damn taxidermy? Like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm sad that my house is not big enough to have an attic like that. This is more of like a wizard's tower than it is a school's freaking attic. There's, <laughs> there's skulls and candles on shelves behind him while he's reading and crap. I mean, what's up with the hundreds of candles? I have an idea for a new D&D tower. <laughs> yeah. You have to go fight the wizard bastion. His imagination. <laughs> <laughs> he can only be defeated with Moonbeam. Moonbeam. <laughs> no, no, no. Better yet. You have to wrestle the book away from him, and then you have to give a name to, to the childlike empress, and it erases his name that he gave her. Ooh. Patty. I like it. And then he loses all his powers. Now you have the power. And then he can't chase down bullies with a flying dog dragon. Oh my god, that'd be the ending. 
instead of you getting to fight him, he loses all his powers. He's standing behind the win- or in front of the window, feeling his powers leave his body and freaking out. And then suddenly three bullies shatter through the window and drag him out screaming. That's the end. <laughs> That's the end. I all of a sudden got really uncomfortable. I don't like the ending here. We really have to make Bastion into more of a jerk. This this wizard Bastion has lived much longer than any human should live because he's used his powers to extend his life. So these bullies are now zombie bullies and they're Ooh. like just ah. like I, I like this. I like can he have gone through a dark necromancer period so at least we can tie the zombos back to him? So that way they're not bullies, they're just his own creation coming back to destroy him? This is more of his imagination gone rogue. <laughs> just, oh my god, I love this. He keeps tossing them into a <laughs> trash bin when he's feeling down and has to pick himself back up again. He's like, yes, I remember how this felt. Oh, <laughs> Sebastian is weird, man. What's wrong with that I don't kid? Know. Trauma his from... mom died. Yeah. Parental death. And his dad told him he can't have an imagination. Jeez. Okay, I just want to... I, I know we usually say what we, what we like and what we don't like, but I think this deserves a little bit more introspection because, as has been said in us talking about other movies, is that in, like, the 80s and stuff like that, dads are given, like, the inability to take care of children. It's like the standard mode of operation. Yeah, it's like mom goes away for a weekend and dad destroys the house, burns it down, loses the kids for multiple hours. <laughs> it's just, it's it's the trope. It's the 80s trope. Or, you know, lectures a kid with, uh, with uh, what do you call it, cliches and then says, oh, this is good talk. We should do this more often. Yeah. Like, and then like rushes off to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it was a life-changing conversation telling your child to not be themselves. And the kid's just like, anything other than okay is going to make this go on longer. So, (laughs) all right, that makes sense. Good job. It really puts you into a spot as a viewer and an adult. As a kid, I didn't think too deeply about this. But as an adult, it's the questions start coming out. How long ago did did the wife, mother die? Yeah. What's the timeline here? How long is it okay for this child to grieve his dead mother? How old, you know, I don't even really know how old Sebastian is. I give him about eight. That makes sense. Yeah, I'd say about that. That makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's a very valid question. It's like, did she just die on a ski trip last winter? Or has it been like three or four years? Like, we just don't know. Yeah. Who's the asshole in this scene? It's definitely the father. For sure. No, it's still the father, for sure. It, there's <laughs> yeah. no question about that. He's defining another human's ability to grieve and saying, you're doing that too much. Absolutely. Now stop acting like a kid. Go get a job. Quit thinking that you're ever going to be bigger than what you already are. It's like, what? (laughs) I don't know. The scene is uh, on the scale of that's interesting to, wow, that's a really good scene. This is a scene I'd state as being god-awful it's uncomfortable but i guess it does a really good job of setting up why bastion hides away really likes to escape into yes yeah on the scale of a a kid ingesting this this does a good job to introduce a child that father doesn't care about this kid and honestly those bullies are extra bullies if his kid if that kid's mom just died and they're still throwing them into garbage cans oh yeah those kids yeah I mean, in, in comparison, there's there's other media that deals with this topic very, very, very well. Point in case, one of the first ones off the top of my head is the uh, graphic novel, I Kill Giants. I 
think it was made into a movie, unfortunately, <laughs> which always kind of softens the blow of the source material. But the the graphic novel dealt with this specific thing pretty nuanced pretty well and it was just kind of a really satisfying ending and really kind of a huge blow when you actually kind of pieced it all together but this scene is just uh, yeah it's 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 blunted it's it's not setting anything up lightly that's for sure it's not for adults and i have to remember that when being critical of it it definitely did the job for me as a child ingesting it understanding the situation between him and his father and yes now is you understand also his mother is dead and he is sad about that so you get your your grounding for these this character sebastian and you don't care about the father anymore because he is gone irrelevant until movie number two i think he comes back i wouldn't know i've only ever seen the first maybe we should uh watch the other ones make this a, a trio i don't the way you guys make it sound, I don't know if I want to waste the time. Is he on the swim team in the second movie? He might be. I don't really fully remember. I swear there's a movie where it starts off like, oh, you should be on the swim team, and then it ends where the kid's on the swim team doing swimming things. And it might have been uh, a movie we it. already watched once. No, I think it's I think it's the second one. That sounds familiar, because I think he also mentions swimming in this yeah, first yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, the dad so. definitely mentions you sh- you didn't show up to swim practice uh in in his lecture. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I was like is this the movie where he ends with him going out on the high dive? But no, it must've been where the second movie started where he's going out on the high dive and fucks up his dive. Is this Maybe uh, I, I mean I've watched the whole movie. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> is the original novel is is it written by an American or is it written by no. someone okay so someone outside of America it, are, and I America like that could be <laughs> Canada that could be Mexico I'm an idiot for using that like that but was the character Sebastian originally written to be in New York cuz um, that's what it looked like to me that they were living in New York Yeah it did look like New York I mean I I would assume I mean I got that same kind of New York vibe well, let's see. It was published in 1979 in Germany. Now, just taking a look. I believe it's the same. What the fuck is wrong with Google? I typed in never-ending story novel. It gave me the never-ending story novel. Then it gives me deluxe animated Dragon Book Halloween decoration that looks oddly like the Book of the Dead from Army of Darkness. <laughs> then get this. Can you send me that? That sounds interesting. Book number three. <laughs> you just hold on to your goddamn pants. Book number three, the beautiful poetry of Donald Trump. Oh, no. <laughs> what the f***? What? <laughs> what the f***? And it's him lounging on the cover. It, it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't say in the uh, the immediate plot summary, but there's some changes already. Bastion was supp- supposedly an overweight and strange child who's neglected by his father after the death of his mother. So, I mean, there's... Well, that sounds like a German story right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and his name is very, very German. Bastion Balthazar Bucks. <laughs> wow. That's, That's a strong name. Love it. That is, there's love it. gravitas behind that name, and he's such a mouse of a child. I feel like that's maybe why the bullying started. Okay, we're. I'm gonna say that they moved this child to New York for this movie because that's too much for a uh, United States audience to handle in the '80s. Any producer would have shot that down. Yeah, I don't remember what my point was anymore. <laughs> 
We've mostly just spent this time snapping about how the, the father's a bastard. That's really about it. He deserves it. No, he's a, yeah. he's a terrible, it. terrible character. I'm, I'm looking at the time passing, and I'm not caring. That dad deserves every poop that we've pooped on him so far. Completely agreed. But it serves as an important setup for the movie. I mean, he is a jerk. Yes. But then you get to go into the book, and you get to have, like, No, we don't. We don't to get to go the... into the book. There's the crappy bully setup before the book. Who cares about the bullies? I'm still working on reading um, Princess Bride. Like I hear that's a long, so, trudging book. Oh my god, it's so it's so bad. It's it's so bad. <laughs> like I looked at the the first couple of chapters. And I'm like, okay, this isn't too bad, and it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. It's all the same. It's the same cadence, and and it's oh, the movie is so much better. Isn't there like a running joke from the author, like on the on like the dust covers of some of the books, saying it's a terrible book? Oh, it's, it's so fucking long. Lines. There's so much. Like, <laughs> I was looking at reviews of the book later, and there's like there's like an entire chapters on like the economy of of the kingdom, and I'm like, I, oh, what have I done? What what? Why have I started this? <laughs> it hurts. Not everyone can handle going in strong sarcasm because i think that's what that's supposed, supposed to be to super be. sarcastic and it it is if you know where it's coming from but if you like were just like hey this sounds like an interesting book i'm gonna read it it's it is not a fun time <laughs> i like the movie let's read the novelized version what, is, what this? is this why am i doing this 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 is pain in hundreds of pages i want to get everyone's opinion on the bullies because watching them this time i felt very different from when i watched it as a kid watching it as a kid i was like oh they're bullies that sucks uh because as a kid you're we in the 80s we were fed that there are bullies you will be bullied if you are different yeah the only way not to get bullied is to be the same as everyone else that was a huge theme for kids at that time for sure 100 percent not true. Yep. When I watched it this time round, I noticed that the bully sequence when they chase him and he gets put in the bin and then he gets out of the bin and walks out of the alley and then suddenly they start a second chase right away that to me it's just like the writing and pacing of that is so completely yeah, awkward. I, did, I, I made was. a note about that. I'm like, so the bullies like they dump him in the bin and then, like, they they walk out of the alley and then just sit there and, like, not back to where they were. Yeah, they're supposed to be going to school. Yeah. It felt like two different scenes that should have been further apart were tacked together. I could see that. That's kind of how it felt to me. And as an adult, I was like, well, just cut the first one. But the only reason why that first part exists is as a callback later when Sebastian becomes the bully and bullies them. Mm-hmm. So, Makes them go into the shredded paper dumpster. Yeah, and it's just like, it's unnecessary, except for that little, I'm going to call it story arc, but uh, it, what it really is is the story of Sebastian becoming a bully himself. So yeah, that's fair. You could totally cut out that first bit and still get that he's being bullied and chased, and it's mean, and then you, the story moves so much faster. <laughs> Why are they dicking around at that one section, but they don't dick around anywhere else in the story? Because you have to have a good way out of a scene. 
I guess I guess are we doing the the typical format? Because I I have a detractor and I don't want to say it too early. Bring it, bring it. Okay, no, bring a detractor. Do okay, it. I for me I feel personally like everything that happens outside of Fantasia in this movie I can't stand now. Everything that happens mm-hmm. within Fantasia is fantastic and I love it. It's just everything with Bastion. I found his character to be so unbelievably annoying this time around for some reason. I just could not stand his character. <laughs> it's a mousy character. I don't remember him being so spineless. It's not even the spinelessness. It's it's he really is a weird kid. It's just like the the swamp where he's 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 about to meet the the ancient one. It's like why the why does he scream? He just screams at oh. the top of his lungs. It's yeah. super awkward. Everybody yeah. stops, looks at the camera, yeah. looks around like what is that? Yeah. Like I just I, I get the stand point. Him. <laughs> it it was a way to for him to realize slowly that he's being pulled into the story. I get that, but it's dumb. Mm-hmm. Nobody reacts to jump scares in novels. You can't. You physically. It's not that surprising. You have to read it. Yeah, a typical scare in a book you're reading, and you might audibly maybe bubble. What the. F- and then go back and reread it. Right? <laughs> Nobody sits and reads a book and they're like scrolling through a page and then ah! start screaming at the top of their lungs. Throw it Nobody across does the room. That. Yeah. Hurls the book against the wall. I mean, I've hurled books against walls, <laughs> but that's because like <laughs> the the things that happen in the book make me physically angry. Not scared. I'm only reaching out because this is a very specific point that I was reading when I was reading the Hunger Games series. And uh, there's a thing that happens at the end of the third book that made me really, really, really angry. That's understandable, though. But when that happened, you didn't, like, scream out something. No, I just hurled the book across the room. But, again, that's understandable because you were angry that on a it's a slow reveal that something happened and you're like, F*** this yep. book. Unlike... Like, having a reactionary, like, oh, God, I need to throw this off my lap because something's happening now, and it's, it's, I'm reacting to it. Mm-hmm. I just, I just had a very large, very underlined, uh, comment, just, I, I don't like Bastion. <laughs> That's all I had written down. <laughs> and I get it. I do. He's a vehicle for the story. Yep. But... Damn, that kid is annoying. Just a I definitely bit. thought my my memories of Neverending Story, Bastion took Atreyu's place, and like they he was yeah. Atreyu, but it was like it was the same actor. So I was like, wait, oh yeah, this yeah, is yeah, not no. what I remember. Yeah. But it has also been decades since I've watched this movie. I could understand why you'd feel that way, though. Oh, Ooh. Ooh. oh. Where am I from? (laughs) But at the end of the movie, uh, when all of Fantasia is restored, Sebastian stole Atreyu's work, basically, and the glory he should have received for doing a good job of of bringing the (laughs) human to the Empress. Everyone's cheering for Sebastian flying over on his magic dog dragon, and it's like... (laughs) What did he yell the name out a goddamn window? That's all the kid did. Exactly, exactly. Atreyu lost a horse. He was physically and mentally exhausted towards the end of the film. All this crap just for a kid to sit there and cry out a name into the rain. So when you look at it that way, I, it's kind of like a thing where you could, as as a younger person, be like, oh, well, he is the Atreyu now because no one's paying attention. Atreyu just goes back to being Atreyu. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's he's a hunter on on the highlands now or wherever. 
in the prairies or wherever the heck they said he's from. It's like, wow, he he stole the hero's journey from him. Yeah. Sebastian is an asshole in this movie. <laughs> It'd be like if something happened, oh, God, like, what, what's a good example? Indiana Jones. Like, like Indy comes back after fighting the Nazis, and instead of anybody cheering on Indy that knew what happened, it's like everybody's cheering on, God, what's, I, I don't know, Sala? Like, Sala's just riding away happy, and everybody's cheering on Sala for doing a good job and helping Indy get along. And But Sala yeah, was Sala. in it, too. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that's a, t- uh, it I, would be if some, <laughs> like, British guy showed up who wasn't involved in the entire Indiana Jones movie and was like, here you go, and handed something to someone else, and everyone's like, you did it! Yeah! And Indiana Jones is in the background, like, half dead, going, yeah, he did it. (laughs) (laughs) That's So what you're saying is you want Bastion to punch Nazis. Well, that would make things interesting now, wouldn't it? I mean, considering that (laughs) it was set in the early to mid-80s, I mean, I guess they're still Nazis. There are Nazis now. Oh, I just depressed myself. See, okay, okay, wanting, okay, okay. It'd be, it'd be wanting like... Wanting him to punch Nazis means you're putting Nazis into Fantasia, and that means we've already screwed Fantasia something fierce. Yeah. We don't want to do that. No, 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 no. It's no. all right. It's our story. The, the wrong imagination could really mess with Fantasia. Because we're the readers now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or imagine, if you will, Star Wars. Maybe this is better. Star Wars. Luke fires the shots, blows Death Star... He gets back, everybody's cheering, hooping and hollering. They pull out R2 from the from the X-Wing and, and carry R2 off down the hallway, screaming and hollering, thanking him for doing a good job. R2's While definitely Luke is just sitting in the X-Wing dead. and kind of like, what the hell? R2 is yeah. very, very dead. <laughs> well, as long as it's not Chewbacca. Chewbacca didn't get anything at the end of the, the first only- movie. No. Everyone got medals except Chewbacca. Chewbacca. But then they had to make that trite if- point to give him the... If they give him the extended universe death where they drop a moon on him. Ooh. Yeah, that's how Chewie dies. Well, if you gotta go. It's probably how he would have well chosen to have a moon go. drop down, yeah. Yeah. Seems reasonable. I want to wrap up that segment by saying, I understand what you're, what, Andy, what you're saying with you, you like everything in Fantasia, everything outside of Fantasia is garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it reminds me a lot of... <laughs> The comparison that was made earlier, too, about The Princess Bride, in that they have a section that's outside of the film, uh, the fantasy world and in the reality world. And <clears throat> when I was younger, I liked the outside the fantasy world of Neverending Story, but I couldn't stand the outside of the world of Princess Bride. I wanted to skip those scenes all the time because I'm like, this is not interesting. This isn't fun. I want to get back into it. And now that I'm older, I love the outside of the universe scenes of The Princess Bride. It's so good. And I hate the outside the universe scenes of Never Ending Story because it's like, this kid is so goddamn annoying. And over here, <laughs> Grandpa is so endearing and he loves his grandchild. And he's Columbo. How can you not enjoy listening to Columbo talk? Times change. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. I, I can't remember. I can't pit my, my feelings from uh, childhood if... I enjoyed the scenes outside of the film. I feel like I didn't at the same time. I always thought it was funny at the end when, you know, he was the bully and he forced the kids into the garbage can. Like, ah, ha, ha, they, they deserve that. But outside of that, I, I couldn't really, like, be like, oh, I feel like Seba- I feel like Bastion does right now, being scared in an attic, putting a blanket over himself. I feel that. 
I'm him. But no, I couldn't feel... <laughs> I, I don't recall generally liking his scenes. I don't know. It, yeah, it's hard to remember. weird. Yeah. I, I, w- I will that say... That school, though. Yeah, that's oh, school. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. The school is something to be talked about. No, no. If you have something, I, I want you to get that out first oh, no. before I get into a long-winded anything about the I was, school. I was just going to say that something I wasn't expecting from this viewing was how cringy the ending was. I, I always... I, I never had a problem with anything with the film until coming through with like a 10-year gap with this last viewing. And that ending, just... Dear God. Everything from the second that... Uh, Falkor lands on the, the 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 tower, and onward is just. It, it made me uncomfortable. It was awkward. It was just. It it was it was the most incredibly weird ending slash cringy ending that I I can think of that I've seen in a long time. And it's just I don't know why it stuck out so much this viewing, but it was just it was unsettling for me. I hated it. I hated every minute of it. I hated all the child, the children t- crying. I hated everything falling apart, screaming moon child into the rain. I, I don't know. It's, gotcha. curmu- it's curmudgeon but that's definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were your guys' memory of the school when you were younger? Did, did anything stick out to you about the school? The, the, the lack of, well, I mean, the attic, yes, that's a given, but the lack of, like, teachers wondering where bastion was it did feel weird and otherworldly it's almost like he didn't exist that's always bothered me that nobody goes looking for bastion yeah there's like but no then again i mean it's yeah there's yeah that that right there well in the 80s it's not like you had hall monitors or locked doors or anything like that in that time period schools were pretty much you could if you left your classroom that meant the teacher allowed you to go so no one really questioned what you were doing but at the same point back to the future made me believe that at any moment bastion was going to turn a corner and be confronted by strickland about his tardiness <laughs> that's what i was waiting for that's a high school <laughs> fair enough, high schools fair are enough. different i always had this aura of something is wrong with this school and i could never put my finger on it it just feels hollow and dead is it that the fire escapes were filled with keys instead of fire escape (laughs) fire things yeah yeah and it makes so much more sense when you realize this was filmed not in the united states then start stuff starts falling Mm. into place why it feels weird to you even as a child like this is kind of what i recognize but it's also like this is not what i recognize at the same time like that door has a very small window in it and that's it and it's at adult height size so that they can peer in like it's some sort of sanitarium that they're holding children in (laughs) that's weird that's so weird yeah there are three lockers in the hallway just three lockers why are there only three lockers in that school? Ah, because they want it to look like a uh, United States school. <laughs> There's just so many weird things that I didn't understand as a kid that made me feel uncomfortable with that building, let alone the attic and the whole, you can just go in an attic and hide? Bring matches or a lighter or whatever and just light candles and start fires whenever the hell you want to in the attic of the school. <laughs> and when school gets let out, like, ten seconds later, lights are getting shut off and everyone's gone. What? Yeah, it was, it was at the point where he's there at night. That always was unsettling to me. 
It was unsettling enough during the day, like when the bell went out, and it was like I always thought that was recess. Like you hear the kids screaming and stuff, and he just decided to stay up there. Maybe that was when school was getting out. But at the night, like the night shots of him being in an attic of a school at night by himself reading books, that was always really eerie to me. Mm-hmm. I think that's because as a kid, we had no frame of reference for that kind of activity. It was like we could do this. Yeah, it's like we this it, is it fell out of our structure that we we were used to. And it's like, did my school have an attic? Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's it was one of those weird things for me as a kid that I always felt uncomfortable about that school and I never really understood why. But then as an adult coming back and watching it, it's like, ah, I'm putting pieces together now. Now it's starting to make sense why I'm so uncomfortable with this cuz it's it's a knockoff basically. It's like yeah. we've seen pictures of a United States school, let's make that. <laughs> hmm, it's not quite right. No. It was the 80s. They had weird things in the 80s. Oh, plenty. Let's stick with a theme here and and write out what I'm going to say is part one of the the never-ending story. And since we've been basically talking about everything happening in the real world in this movie, let's, let's talk about pulling Fantasia into the real world of this movie. How did, how did that work for you guys as kids? Was that cool? Was that interesting? I, it's, it confuses me to this day. Like how, because they, they beat you over the head that Fantasia is a world within the book. And the only tie to the real world that the book has is the reader. How does, without waving your hand with magic, how does a dragon manifest itself in the real world? Oh, right, right, right. Is this is this just some kind of, like, fever dream? Because he, like, got some kind of infection from, like, laying up in that attic for a day? Nope, nope. <laughs> It didn't happen in the real world. Everything with that stuff happens in the book. So he recreated in the book the scene where he chases down the bullies. That doesn't happen in real life. It happens in the book. Oh, I never grabbed that. Oh my. That, See, that makes was, more yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes... Uh, He's so petty that he put his own problems in the book and chased on them so he could fi- fix it that way instead of actually dealing with... Not petty. Petty's not the right word. But... Instead of dealing with the problems in real life, he still's just dealing with those problems in the book. Gotcha. See, as a kid, I always thought that he used his wish to pull the luck dragon into the real world so he could. As a kid, I thought bullies. the same thing too, the exact same which is thing, yeah. which would be great. But also, flying a luck dragon over New York without a registered uh, <laughs> FAA flight plan would de- definitely get you shot down with missiles. I thought it was weird how little people actually seemed to be concerned. I mean, you you heard like one or two people in the background. Oh, and it's like, that's it but it wasn't like people mass panicking and screaming cars smashing into each other and stuff like it wasn't your typical 80s monster like oh god what's happening they shot, shot down out. 12 blocks of the city so they could film that scene they had to do big crane shots and stuff that that takes a lot of space it does over a river it's really cool looking yeah the shot of the pov shot going through the alley it's actually very smooth and very well done for a time period where there are no drones to do those kind of shots. So that means they're on a vehicle driving with a crane and it's moving the crane while they're shooting because it ducks underneath one of those crosses that goes above. 
As an adult, that's very impressive to see that. I thought the exact same thing. I was actually pretty impressed by that shot. And I had the exact same thought process with drones and everything. Like, how would that be done now and everything? But it was so damn smooth. Mm-hmm. Normally, that's what I'm thinking about when it comes to these kind of scenes where you got the where you're in an older movie pre drones, and you got those neat flying. Sh- but I was still taken mm-hmm. out of the movie from when uh, Felcor was under the water picking up the necklace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where he's just like goes down in the water. It's like how I was sitting there like how'd they shoot this one. And then, like, all of a sudden, there's the uh, <laughs> amulets in his mouth. It's like, what just happened? He tipped <laughs> he his flies head. away. It's like... Yeah, there's there's definitely some scenes that show lack of polish now. But overall, I would honestly say the effects in this movie are... <laughs> they're quite they're good. Quite and good. they still really hold on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part, they're really well done. They're, you know, the green screens and some of the matte paintings and... The uh, plane of the clouds mm-hmm. all don't necessarily uh, fit together well. However, for a kids' movies for the eighties, it looks really it looks really good and it holds up pretty well. Yeah, I was gonna say like the the cloud boxes. Anytime they have just clouds doing something cloud like is incredible. Like really well done, really crazy light effects in the clouds and stuff. There were obviously a few scenes here and there, like the Sphinx scene, and then also the scene you know where Bastion's trying to close the window in the thunderstorm. Where you have the outline effect, and honestly, this is one of the best films of this era that I've seen, where that effect is so minuscule compared to other ones that I've seen. Like, you have massive, major feature films with massive budgets, with massive studios, ILM working behind them. I'm talking Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. There are scenes like The Bridge, where it is so Mm. bad. Like, I'm talking Mm -hmm. like an inch of black line around the character silhouette this movie the silhouetting it was really 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 thin i couldn't really make it out unless i really squinted and like forced myself to take notice of it during the sphinx scene against the night sky same thing with the scenes with you know full-size bat or full-size uh atreyu next to the the couple as well like even though they're trying to play off you know large versus small it didn't really seem cheesy or hokey like other films i've seen and maybe that's because it's at night it's all about understanding how you're filming it, and that's with things like Jurassic Park, like, you know, obscuring the imperfections with the actual shot that you're doing, having it be at night, having it be rain, things like that. That's why those shots still hold up and look so damn good. But I think the thing that still makes me shocked is the daylight scenes in this aren't too terrible either. Like, they're really, really good. Like that opening scene mm-hmm. with the Rock Eater and um, the Night Hob. Oh, yeah, the racing snail and the racing snail like they did some really good um perspective shots with the rock eater being giant yeah yeah from not only below but above yep. i mean watching the rocks fall down on them and then you know get back down at their angle looking up really well done now the effects i will say that is the one negative comment that i had on my entire list is the rock biter was <laughs> probably my least favorite uh, practical effect in the film yeah, he was a little, he was a little too gooey yeah. for my rock monster. Rubbery, janky, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, everything else, everything else, like every other little detail in this film I thought was absolutely phenomenal, except for the rock biter. But everything else was just, it surprised me how good it looked. Yeah. You know, as a kid growing up, the uh, rock biter, hands down, favorite part of this movie. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love the rock biter. Not, not entirely sure why. It's just, you know, giant rock 
cool looking. Looks great. Yeah, sure, you can see the sponge of the hands moving when he's looking at it, but yeah. still really cool. I'll be damned if I didn't uh, quote that for probably 20 years of my life. Every time I look down at my hands after doing anything, these look like good, strong hands. <laughs> like, I just don't know. It's just one of those throwaway quotes that's always lived rent-free in my brain. That I don't know what it mm. is. Let's see. So this movie came out in 1984, the year I was born. So I've been saying it for 37 years. <laughs> <laughs> right out of the womb. Nice. <laughs> just kidding. This movie came out uh, a couple months after I was born. Uh, so a few months after the womb. Yep. And I didn't. I probably didn't see this movie for at least. 10 years after it had, it had uh, come out. I would estimate that I saw this movie in 91, maybe 92. No. Probably more like 93, 94. No, not even then. Probably like 96 or 97 is probably when I saw this for the first time. Yeah. I'm just trying to like yeah, picture reasonable. when things released and what house I was in at the time. <laughs> like, I, I will say just an appendage on, on the good effects. The last note that I had was the swamp. I thought the swamp was absolutely well done. It was incredible. Oh, like sure. yeah. everything just looks so lush and vibrant and full of detail. It's crazy. This movie has so much going on. Well, yeah. And we can talk more about those details in the Fantasia side of the Never Ending <laughs> Story next time. Because this oh, was that's what you're getting at. <laughs> yeah, this was the non-Fantasia portion of the Never Ending Story. Rewound. So please like, rate, review, comment, subscribe, and share all that stuff for the podcast to keep us relevant in a world where we're barely relevant. And next time, <laughs> we'll cover the Fantasia portion of the never-ending story. Come back in two weeks where we Fantasia again! I just, I feel bad for the shopkeeper. Like, nothing ever got resolved for that, man. Stop, just... stop, stop, stop! We gotta record that stuff. <laughs> but the shopkeepers in the real world, we're done oh talking about God. that. We can still talk a little bit about the real world.